If you've ever seen Kelly's Twitter account, then you've probably heard of Shopify, an e-commerce platform that gives you everything you need to sell online. This week, we're talking to JML, who's the CTO at Shopify, and we're giving you all the details. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the Ladybug Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Allie. And I'm Emma, and we're debugging the tech industry. Netlify is the premier way to build and manage fast, modern websites that run without the need for web servers. Deploy sites directly from Git to a worldwide application delivery network for the fastest possible performance. Netlify's built-in continuous deployment automatically builds and deploys your site or app whenever you push to your Git repository. You can even attach deploy previews to your pull requests and turn each branch into its own staging site. Use modern front-end tools and site generators like React and Gatsby or Vue and Next. For the back-end, Netlify can automatically deploy AWS Lambda functions right along the rest of your code. Simply set a folder and drop in your functions. Everything else is automatic. There's so much more. Automatic forms, identity management, and tools to manage and transform large images and media. Learn more about Netlify's powerful platform at netlify.com slash ladybug. So let's go ahead and just start with some easy questions. Can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what your role is at Shopify? Yeah, cool. My name is Jean-Michel Lemire. Uh, a lot of people just call me JML for short. So if you see that on the internet, uh, you'll see JML's me. And I'm the uh, the CTO at Shopify. So basically the full-fledged, I guess, head geek. Been here for about five years. And uh, yeah, have a like a super fun job. You know, spend half of my time uh, on technology and half of my time... Uh, you know, trying to build a company and making sure that, you know, I, we stay sane as we do that. <laughs> I bet your day probably changes a lot, given how much you have going on. But what was what would a standard day to day look like for you? I try and like, I, I really try and, you know, make sure I do two things. And I, I kind of almost plan my weeks around or like half of it is on how we're building Shopify. Like there's a, a huge amount of decisions around like the technology we're going to use, the architecture. We have, you know, so many um, different people with opinions about how we're going to evolve Shopify. So half my week is spent on like literally spending time with teams going, you know, what are we doing with checkout this, you know, this year and what kind of decisions do we have to make? And and a lot of times, you know, you know, obviously it's hard as a CTO to be across all the, you know, every line of code in Shopify. Obviously that's not going to be happening. But what I do a lot with teams is just go, do we have permission to like explore a bit? You know, and often as a company gets bigger, you're like, are we exploring still? Right. Like, and, and, a lot of teams will come to me with, you know, option A and B. They'll go, hey, JML, you know, we've looked into this bit. We have two options. Can you help us pick which one? And often I'll go, why, why isn't there an option C or D? Like, what? Like, why not? Let, let's look at, let's explore a bit more before we, you know, we have a time pressure and we think that we, we actually understand what, what to solve. So that's half of my week, which I, as you can tell, like is like super enjoyable because it um, keeps you on your feet. I think, you know, uh, I think, some of the decisions we're making about how we're evolving Shopify are going to be like pretty critical for the long term. And then half my week is spent on, uh, you know, I'd say, you know, running the company, you know, internal PR, communication, doing podcasts like this, um, making sure that people understand the story of, of, you know, what it's like to be on the engineering team at Shopify and listening to people. You know, we have a lot of people who, you know, it's their, maybe the first time in their, uh, in their life in a, in a company that's growing really quickly. You know, it's sometimes it's hard, you know, um, having a new role. There's a lot of questions, um, you know, some uh, some weeks are harder than others. And, you know, I guess half of my week is I'm a, a armchair psychologist. Maybe that's it. So software developer half the, half the week and half the week uh, armchair wannabe psychologist. That's awesome. So I'm kind of curious. Could you give us a rundown of 
your, like your background. So you're obviously technical. How did you get there? Like, did, did you study computer science in, in college? Um, and what was your career path up until this point? Yeah, it was kind of really interesting. So I got into this in high school. So I, I did a minor in arts in high school. So half my curriculum was like math and science and half was painting and music. One year I had this crazy, like my dad got me this computer and I had a crazy idea with my drama class that we were, we were doing a Phantom of the Opera and Les Miserables play. And I was like, what if I did all the music on my computer? I had like a keyboard and computer. And at that time, I think it was an Atari ST with Cubase was like the, the software program you can use to sequence it. And my drama teacher looked at me going, like, you're effing crazy. Like, what else? So I remember I went home at, went home and over the weekend, I forget which song I did. It might have been Empty Chairs and Empty Tables or literally the Phantom of the Opera, like main song. And I seek like just, you know, recorded like three, four, you know, like uh, parts to it. And I played it back in, in drama class. And, and uh, I forget what my drama teacher's name was, but she was like, okay, let's do this. And then I literally did the whole thing. My, my granddad had it recorded on VHS at some point. And, and then I, at that point, I was like, man, computers are really powerful. Like, this is fun. Like, it allowed me to do things that I couldn't do. Uh, I really enjoyed the creative process. And then I stumbled through high school and I went to my guidance counselor and I was like, hey, I have to apply for university. What do you think? And she's like, well, you kind of like playing it with computers and music class. Why don't you, you do that? So that's how I got into computer science. And I'd never programmed before going to computer science at all. And I remember I was extremely intimidated. I remember my first class at uh, Ottawa University. I tried to sit beside the person I thought had programmed before. <laughs> and I remember, his, I still remember his name is a really good friend, Pascal Blais. Like the, um, like Blaise Pascal, you know the <laughs> the the physicist. So Blaise Pascal uh, showed me how to program in in first year of university, and I think I got addicted, you know, from there. So I think the combination of seeing how how enjoyable and creative I could be with a computer, and then and then figuring out how they work was like I don't know. I, I just got lucky. I stumbled into it. So I did a comp sci degree, and then you know worked as a you know as I guess a regular developer for fifteen years on a lot of open source projects. Um, building platforms, building developer tools, and um, and at some point, I think someone like my boss just said, "Hey, we need a we need a team lead for this area. You seem to be keen and engaged. Do you want to do it?" And I was like, "Sure, why not?" And I think that's you know about maybe that was 13 years ago. And then I realized like leadership is hard. And a, a fun story is I, I grew up in a town. Um, or I went to university in, in a town in Canada called Ottawa, Canada where we've had a lot of big tech companies. So uh, like Nortel, who was like a huge, huge tech company in the telecom days was here. Corel Draw, which is a competitor to Photoshop in the days was here. We had uh, like Blackberry was Canadian. So as a, as a you know, young person growing up, I saw all this boom in tech, but I also saw it collapse, right? Like I was reading a newspaper and I hear stories about, you know, how building companies is hard. So I think about 13 years ago, I had this pivot point going, Cool. Computers are great. I've had a great time, you know, in open source communities trying to get a taste of what it's like to work with humans. But hey, building companies is it feels like if you have really good ideas about software, you still have to build a company to help kind of scale it and grow it. And I knew nothing about humans, you know, outside of myself. Like really, you know, like I, you know, I always <laughs> I, I never did a psychology course. I didn't do any, you know, like uh, I really almost did too much computers in some way. So I I was really excited by the challenge of like it seems like it's really hard to build companies. Like, what would I have to learn now? 
to figure out how to like work with people, build companies, have bigger teams. So I think that's where I got into, I guess, more full-time leadership from there. So anyway, sorry, long, long-winded story from arts to computers to leadership and it's kind of, kind of how I ended up here. And then, um, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a, a fun journey for sure. I mean, you've been exposed to so much over time. So let's let's talk about Shopify a little bit. First off, it's it's two parter. One, what is Shopify? And we're going to be on the topic of e-commerce, obviously, as well. So can you also define that too? Absolutely. Okay, this is always a challenge when you're you're so in depth <laughs> in something. Like <laughs> no pressure, but I know nothing about e-commerce. So teach it to me like I'm five. Yeah. So let's start with Shopify. There's millions of people around the world who have great ideas for business, right? So imagine that the, the t-shirt you're wearing, Emma, right? Ima- or the, the sweatshirt you're wearing. Imagine you, you, you created that, you're a, you know, a maker, and you're like, cool, how do I start selling this, <laughs> right? And you, you think about like, what it takes to start a business. You're like, I've got to open a bank account. I've got to figure out um, where my stock's going to be. I've got to figure out how many, how many shirts do I have to sell? I've got to put a storefront up, whether it be online or you got to open a stop. Sure. You have to decide, are you going to take Amex and Visa and MasterCard or are you going to like all of that? Shopify's job is a platform to make it easy for you to get up and started and in some ways not have to worry about all those other things because you're stressed enough about trying to figure out, you know, your product, like trying to figure out what um, let's make an awesome product that people will love. So Shopify's job always been uh, to have entrepreneurs backs and to build and, and to make sure we've got the technology to make it so that you can basically have an idea, open a shop, and start start making money. And our job is to bend the learning curve of, of, of entrepreneurship in some ways. So it, we often talk less about commerce and more about entrepreneurship around just like we're here to support entrepreneurs who have great ideas, who don't have a computer science background, might not be super literate about how, like, like what our commerce infrastructure works like, right? Where do I get terminals? How do I accept credit cards? So Shopify's job is to take all that away and make it super easy, right? So that's that's kind of our origins. And then e-commerce is just the internet's bent the curve of how easy it is to do that, right? Literally how easy it is to have an online store, to accept payments and to like manage your shop, right? Like you're going to get questions from people. People are going to order things. You're going to get the wrong sizes. Like how do you make sure that when you do decide to run a business, that um, you don't spend your time doing boring stuff. No, I think so. I, I think Shopify's job is li- like a supporting platform for entre- entrepreneurships. And a lot of people don't see Shopify in their faces because you don't see Shopify. We're kind of a supporting actor. Every We've let people have their own brands because we you know, like a, kind of a founding principle for Shopify is we think entrepreneurship should be super creative. Like we don't want like we don't want shopping experiences that are like going to the dentist office, it's white, it's boring. We want like creativity, fun, quirkiness. So we've let entrepreneurs on Shopify build all these crazy shopping experiences, which is great. So Shopify has been almost, you know, in the back seat supporting people. And, and um, that's kind of where we built a lot of technology to make that happen. That's really interesting because, uh, well, two parts. One, I like what you said about Shopify not really being in the, the limelight because a good product or a good tool that enables others to do things should should kind of fade away into the background if it's doing its job and enable people at that point to rise up. I, I love that. Um, and secondly, it's kind of cool to see the transformation of like, you know, when all these big companies and, and chains started coming out, um, it kind of almost disintegrated some of the more like mom and pop businesses and, and um, family run businesses. But now like Shopify is enabling these people to come back and, and um, kind of compete on a larger scale, which is really cool. Yeah, exactly. And compete and, and own, kind of own the relationship with their customers. You know, like 
if you have a business, the people who are buying from you are like, they're so important, right? You want their email addresses. You want to, you know, be able to talk to them directly. You want to be able to, and even not just selling things, but like create really good experiences, right? Like send them videos of what it's like to build your shirt and what it's like to like, like that. And, and a lot of commerce over the years became, there's a lot of middlemen or middle people, right? Involved in like, oh, just give me your, give give me your shirt and I'm going to sell it for you and I'll take a cut. So a lot of Shopify has allowed entrepreneurs to go direct to consumer, right? Like own your customers, own the experiences and, and make sure that the, you know, the money flows to the people who kind of deserve it and, and own it. So anyway, that's, that's kind of a philosophy around, uh, around Shopify. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the reasons that I'm observing is kind of someone who's new to this, uh, this e-commerce industry is Shopify seems like there's a very strong ethos behind it. Like the why statement is really strong. And I, and, you know, just hearing you talk about it, I'm not surprised or shocked in the least to, you know, see the success of the platform because there's a very strong why governing that. So I'd like to just talk a little bit more about Shopify and what makes it different from other e-commerce solutions out there? I don't even know what other e-commerce solutions there are out there, like what competitors are there, but yeah, what makes it different? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a couple things. You know, I, I talked about how, like, we believe in, like, this creative entrepreneurship. So we've created Shopify to be extremely flexible. You know, so if like you have an idea of like a way you want to like set up your store or where you want to do business, like we've made that possible. So we have a really, really strong API kind of culture and platform, which um, I think is a huge differentiator because, you know, it means that people like staples.ca, which is, you know, basically staples in Canada is running on Shopify. And so is a hundred or twenty, hundred and fifty thousand like starting people last last year. So it's, it's just very stretchable. And I think that's been um I think a big advantage of our platform and what's, what's great as well is you can kind of start on our platform and not too many people have scaled out, which is, you know, so, you know, for example, Kylie and Kanye and Kith and like all those, I guess, super sellers are still on Shopify as well. So you do have comfort that we've, we're kind of experts at, at high scale of, of, of commerce as well, which is, um, I think what we're, we're really known for as well. And People listening obviously know that I run a Shopify agency. So my entire business model is all thanks to Shopify. If Shopify didn't exist, I wouldn't be here. So I obviously know the reason why I I love Shopify personally as a developer, but why, in your own words, should developers be paying attention to Shopify and why should they consider building for Shopify? Yeah, it's a great question because there, there are you know a lot of different SDKs out there. There's different platforms. I think... Like if I just take an example of like really good friends of ours at Stripe, right? So Stripe, technology company who provides a lot of, I'd say like payment infrastructure for the internet, right? Their job is to make it really easy to take credit cards. We actually use Stripe to power, you know, some of the technology behind Shopify, which is good. But I, one of the advantages for Shopify is we just have a lot more building blocks. So imagine like, you know, just think about what it takes for you as a developer to, you know, create a, like a unique buyer experience. You have to care about the checkout flow, taxes, shipping, fulfillments, like all that is kind of taken care of already. So, I mean, maybe, you know, what was fun is I actually built uh, my first Shopify app about five years ago. And I had this cool, crazy commerce idea, which is I wanted to sell everything in my house, like literally everything. I'm like, what would it take for me to like, <laughs> like liberate all the crap I've collected for in the last 25 years? Because I was, you know, I had two teenage kids and we were moving countries and I'm like, let's, let's try this for real. And, um, and uh, that's not a typical e-commerce kind of workflow, right? I'm like, not everything was sold online. Some people are going to pick it up. So I had this really cool challenge of, of I, I wanted to create a customized experience where people can buy things off my, you know, my house for sale shop. 
where they could they could pick up and see it before they buy it, but they could also reserve online. And, you know, that's kind of not a typical flow, which meant that uh, the other thing is I wanted to build a, a small auction on the website. So that, um, imagine you're selling things from your house, right? And like you go to Kijiji or Craigslist and you sell it and, and everyone's going to say, oh, that's really cool. I want it. Can I come see it? And what happens, you know, if someone comes and sees it, it takes a couple of days and then they leave. And then in between that, someone would have paid with a credit card right away. Like I just lost the sale. So I had this crazy idea of what if I created a Shopify store where I had a mini auctioning in place, which is when someone went and, and you know, wanted to buy my piano instead of saying, and, but they didn't, they didn't want to pay up front, they reserved it. So they went in the online store, they prepped the reserve button. And once it was reserved, I booked a meeting with them and they came and saw it. But in between that time, if someone was browsing the online store and they clicked on the piano, it showed a little pop-up and it said, by the way, this item's reserved, but if you really, really want it and want to pay cash right now, upbid it and tell me like how much you want. So, so I built, you know, that was an app that I was able to build on Shopify with all the great APIs that were available. I could extend the online store and I made an extra 1500 bucks, you know, by, by having this kind of quirky idea, I had no idea it was going to work, but just with the APIs that were available on the platform, you know, I, and it was fun cause I didn't, I, you know, I was an employee of Shopify, but I made it an exercise to not have to talk to anyone at Shopify, you know, to see, could I, could I make this thing happen? <laughs> So I think that's like one of the advantages, like as a developer, like that's super powerful. Um, and, and, you know, it, it meant that I didn't have to worry about fulfillment. I didn't have to worry about like all the back office stuff. You kind of just get that for free. So I think that's one of the, the huge advantages of, of building on Shopify and what um, I guess we've invested a lot of time in just having really good APIs. Yeah. And so sticking with that, like you wearing your developer hat at the moment, like what surprised you the most as e-commerce has evolved over time? I, I think it's like the extreme creative experiences that are happening. You know, the other thing too is uh, we've had a very North American centric view, I think for the, you know, the first 10 years and realizing that even just this concept of credit cards, like we take that for granted so much. So I think w one of the big learnings of Shopify now is like, how do we make Shopify work where if anything, commerce and entrepreneurship is actually very diverse. Like it's very different. I mean, I, I think I, I follow Kelly on Twitter. You travel all over the place, right? And it's probably different. Like every country, it's like, like you sometimes pick up in stores the only way to pick up something online. Sometimes, you know, uh, like for example, in Germany, credit cards aren't actually used that often because they've got great banking infrastructure. So literally it's bank transfers that are more popular than credit cards. So that I think shocked me the most when I moved here too. I was like, what do you mean? I have to like wire money? I don't get it. And you're like, how does that work? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly right. So, um, you know, what's been fascinating is like, how do we build Shopify now that actually supports that huge diversity of, of you know, ways of payment, huge diversity of like, um, like shopping experiences and then huge diversity of like the back office, right? Of like, you know, a lot of people use Shopify where they drop ship, which means that they don't hold any inventory. And, you know, in Japan, for example, when you sell something, uh, often you actually get it delivered to the convenience store that's close to you. So you have these pickup points. You know, so it's like, it's just fascinating as you go through and you get to travel the world and um, and kind of learn about this like huge diversity of, of ways that people like exchange goods and say like our job at Shopify is not to harmonize everyone on one way, our ways to support it. And I think that's both like super cool. And it sounds very easy to say, but it's been like a huge technical challenge. And I think that's what I've personally had to learn is like, okay, how, like, how do we do this now, right? Like. And uh, anyway, as you can tell, I'm pretty excited about that. It's it's um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Speaking of technical challenge, I have two words to reply with that, which is order editing. Cool. Are you excited about that? It's awesome. Eh? <laughs> I am so excited about that. 
it's been uh, it's been a pain point for our our customers for a while. So to date, you have not been able to edit your orders within the Shopify admin, but basically the entire order structure has been rebuilt from the ground up to allow for the uh, ability to edit orders, which I believe will be launched either by the time this episode is live or very soon thereafter. I think it's pretty soon. I lose track sometimes of like what things have actually shipped, but that's uh, that one <laughs> should be really close. I mean, that's a like a fascinating feature. It was, I mean, we've had that in our backlog for 10 years, you know, and I think you're like, why does it take so friggin' long to fix that thing? But you think about editing an order, right? So like, again, you, you buy something online and you go, man, I got the wrong size. And you're like, oh, I want to add socks. Oh, I want... You know, like, so like what happens? You, you have to take extra payment. Do you send it to them? Um, what happens if that item's already been fulfilled? Like, what if your warehouse said, oh, I'm going to put it in a box. Like, do we stop the box? So there's a lot of, there's a lot of repercussions for that, um, which is fascinating. But the other thing we realized when we worked on order editing was trying to figure out why do people, like after you've ordered something, want to change? And that's really fascinating too. You think about like, I bought that chair and it doesn't fit my room. So we're like, yeah. well, what would it take for us to make it so you can figure it out if it fit your room earlier or not. So that's where there's some really cool stuff we're doing with AR, like augmented reality, which is actually trying on things ahead of time. Like, let's put that couch in my room so that I don't have to return it and and phone Kelly up to you know order edit. Like, so we it, it, as we've gone down the journey of trying to of also fixing order editing, we also look at like why do people return things, um, and then there's some really cool technology things we're doing. We've also looked into. You know, things like uh, people are buying uh, like a lot of clothing online and it's not the exact blue that shows up on screen. And then you start digging going, well, how was that image compressed? Was it a JPEG, a PNG? Oh, maybe we're losing colors. So um, it got me inter interested in a lot of uh, like image specification work where there's actually a working group looking at image quality and specifically around color ranges. Because we're realizing a lot of clothes are being returned because, again, like the cut, like people are really sensitive to like that blue fits me perfectly because I've got the right hair and that. But if like it comes up with like a slightly different shade of blue, like you you, you kind of have a crappy experience. So, but that's all related to how the image is shown, how it's compressed, and what the screen technology is. So, anyway, this long story short, order editing has been a a bit of like a a Pandora's box of really understanding what can we do to prevent orders happening and, and really just really, you know, how can we help that purchasing experience a lot more? So anyway, it's been super geeky. <laughs> That's why we're having this conversation. Okay. Is that, is that good? Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so on the same topic, you know, you've, you've been, um, guiding teams and, and been directly involved in launching a number of tools and resources that have been built by the internal Shopify developer team. What are some of your favorites that have been created? Mmm, great, great favorites. I don't, am I allowed to pick favorites? <laughs> we won't tell. I, just, I, I think Pol like Polaris has been great. Like you know, just going back to you know my first experience as an app developer. I remember the first thing I did was like Google CSS file for a Shopify app, right? Which I think yep. is what everyone has googled at some point. <laughs> is like, can I find a quick CSS app that isn't going to match the Shopify admin? So. We mm -hmm. made that entire class of problems go away by just really having a great design, design language and component library. So I think that was like like huge for the community. I think the GraphQL API has been huge as well. So uh, a bit a bit of a backstory, but um, you know, Shopify obviously we've got a like a commerce platform, but we also have a lot of client applications. So we have mobile apps, web apps, and and different flavors. And 
the API we had for our app developers was not the exact same API that we had to build our own client experiences. So our web app was not built on the same APIs we gave our app developers. So it meant that, you know, when an app developer had a bug, we're like, we would not feel that first. And I'm, as, a, as a developer, you always want to feel the pain before your customers do. So a couple of years ago, we literally rewrote our front ends for mobile app, all our mobile apps, our web apps, and uh, to be powered by GraphQL. So not only was it was it, is GraphQL like really it's a really productive environment for app developers, but also we use it before our app developers do as well. So we have a really good pain cycle. So if there's a bug in GraphQL, like our performance problem, like our dashboards go nuts and we see it ahead of time. So I think I'm really really excited about GraphQL is not just because GraphQL is cool, but we now dog food it across the entire platform. No, I think that that's really cool. And we we just published recently a design systems episode. And as someone who's like thoroughly into design systems, I can tell you how many times I've like searched for Polaris as like an example of a well done design system. I'm curious, just quickly, your take, like, how do you think Polaris has really helped the developer experience within Shopify? Well, I think that like, like the first thing is, there's some things we shouldn't be debating. You know, as a front end developer, I'm like, it's a button. Right. Like, yeah. You know, like, and this is the colors we're going to use. And like, I think, uh, like, allowing developers to focus on the problem they want to solve, and maybe like take eighty percent of the the visual things, like not away, but just let's just we kind of agree to what those things are going to look like. Like, let's yeah, you reduce the overhead and let them focus on the things that are really meaningful. Absolutely right. And I like I remember like fifteen years ago before design systems were a thing. Like, you you almost only had like there's no design system for the web. And you, you kind of adopted one for iOS and Android, but the web didn't have one. Like at a previous company, we're always like a lot of people were debating the like the visual language. So I think just taking that away and then sharing it with the ecosystem ecosystem has been great. And then um, you know what's great too, like in players, you can create mockups really quickly. I don't know. There's some tools where you can literally just like, in some ways, <laughs> I'm be a bit controversial, but a lot of designers spend time doing like high fidelity mockups. And if you can have designers focus on on like the the actual user experience, right? Like the wireframes, the flows, and literally just let everyone build super simple UIs with the, the React components. Like you can like do a mockup. It's 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 backed by dummy data, and if you can do that like super quickly, then you don't you don't actually even need Photoshop or Figma mockups anymore. You can just actually write the code, and then you can spend all of your UX energy on. I'm really focusing on like what's the first like what things do we want to get done on the first page, not how's it going to be laid out. I think I think a really good design system with some of the tools that like Figma has and and Framer X around literally having like a React template library has been like super productive. Especially like I'm not a designer, but I can I feel like when I've got an idea and I have to make it um, like feel really good, like it's super easy to do that. And I think like I think if if, if anything, break also breaking the boundary between like a front end developer and a back end developer, just like just giving developers great tools that they don't feel intimidated by, oh man, I'm not a back end developer or I'm not a front end developer. Like, how do I get my job done? Like I've, I'm, I'm always a bit adv advocate of like developers should be really full stack. And like, and I think the specialist in the front end development, the specialist in API development, specialist in back end development should make it easier and approachable for like just every developer to be able to, you know, implement a feature end to end. And I think Polaris has been a, like a, a huge tool for us. Yeah, that's really cool. T talking about like coded prototypes, and then you're not throwing away code, and you're not wasting resources or de uh, design time on creating these high fidelity mockups. It's that's really that's awesome. And and also, you know, talking about the GraphQL APIs that you've been creating, like the the storefront API, especially, I've been getting my my hands very dirty on that. 
and recently both in terms of building out a headless store using Gatsby for the front end. So that's on the React side. And also I've been working uh, with Nacelle, which is on the Vue.js side. So I've now worked with the storefront API on both ends using React and Vue. And it is so much fun. Like I've been in the Shopify theme development space since 2014, so five years now. And it's like reintroduced fun to the entire process. Ah, I mean, do you want to, do you want to tell us a bit about that? Like what's that storefront that you created from scratch? Like what, 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 <laughs> I'm curious about what problem you're trying to solve. Yeah. So the, the Gatsby site, there was not the, the only problem that I was trying to solve was how do I do this? I was just, but it was purely out of curiosity. Like how does the storefront API work and how can I use it for the site that I'm building using the cell that the, the pain point that they were experiencing was the, the page load time going from like homepage to collection to product, the more stuff you're loading on the page, the slower it becomes. And this has been a, you know, a user experience issue for a long time now, especially when you, you know, you have people shopping internationally who may not have the strongest network connection, the more things you're loading, especially on mobile, it can really get bogged down. So we're using uh, Nacelle to build out, uh, as that's gonna be like the, the, the front end framework for the store that's gonna be launching pretty soon here. And it is lightning fast. And it is such a great experience as a customer to be able to very quickly flip through the different products, very quickly add things to the cart in, in no time because everything's loaded up front. So you don't have to continuously reload that page data every single time you visit another page. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's cool. Because that's, I think, for, for the listeners, the storefront API is, um, I think, the API we launched a couple of years, years ago that lets people build their entire shopping experience kind of API driven. So I think one of the great examples of that was, I think we worked with a game developer, Alto's Adventure. I don't know if you've played that. I think it's a snowboarder or a skier going down and jumping over llamas. But you know, as a, as a game developer, like they create a, a really like interesting following, and what what they did is they built their online or their swag store right in game, right? So that way they can you can go in the game, you can go and actually buy badges up, or you can buy swag. And I think I remember, like I, I won't quote any numbers, but I think they they doubled their revenue by just having an in-app purchasing experience off their store. And I think that was all 100% powered by the storefront API. Yeah, there's there's so much you can do with it. And and it also brings me to another question for you now is I obviously know what I'm interested in in, in coding as far as the languages and tech stack goes. But for somebody who's never been exposed to building for Shopify, whether it be a Shopify store or a Shopify app, what tech stack would you recommend they focus on uh, to get that experience? I think we've tried to be pretty agnostic to like one tech stack because we realize, you know, you know, in Germany, it's PHP and Vue. And in North America, it's React and JavaScript. Like, it's actually interesting to see there's a lot of regional differences about what's kind of hot these days. So we've, we're trying to get better to have a lot of, like, examples across, you know, like, different languages and tech stacks because we, we found them to be pretty regional. But other than that, I mean, you know, like, obviously, like, JavaScript, TypeScript, and React are the cool kids Kool-Aid these days. And um, it's also very productive as well. So I'd say just pick something you're comfortable with. And we've, you know, I'd love to hear feedback as in if it's hard, um, if you pick something you like, we should, you know, we're pretty agnostic. We're trying to make, it's just API driven. So we're trying to make it easy. Although, as you say, the Polaris components are React. So that, that does make it a bit easier, right? If you're, if you're familiar with React, I think it's, uh, uh, it gives you some superpowers. Awesome. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of a last question. What is a day in the life like for a developer working at Shopify? Day in the life. Wake up in the morning. We <laughs> bike to work. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's interesting. It's um, 
we have kind of three modes of being a developer at Shopify, I'd say, you know, like three kind of like personas that, you, that we have, because I, I hate just generalizing. Like one is we take a huge responsibility for Shopify that's running, you know, like there's an operational role, which is like keep Shopify running. So, you know, we have a, a, a developer hat called ATC, which is air traffic control. And most, te- most teams have an air traffic control developer role, which is like, what's going on? You know, are there any issues that are coming up? How's production running? How are the builds going? You know, and, and they're almost like the, the communication glue to just keeping Shopify up and running and fast. So that's like a day in the life of ATC is like triaging bugs, uh, massaging the builds, making sure like, you know, master is green, all that fun stuff. I think we have another role of a developer, which is, hey, I'm working on some really cool new feature, you know, like, and I think at that mode, it's, uh, we do a lot of exploration, which is explore and build. So a lot of prototyping that we throw away, a lot of, hey, how are we going to build this and and try a lot of things out and get feedback, you know, uh, you know, we, we try and encourage like a lot of, I guess, PRs that like a goal of a PR in a tech design isn't to get it to production. It's to come up with a really good solution. So we do a lot of that, which is like showing people our work going, hey, here's how I want to solve this thing. What do you think? And here's a PR. And 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 often PRs are like, I just want to get it merged. But for us, a lot of it is we, we just really want to ex- explore kind of the problem space. And then so that's the hat of a developer, which is like working on feature work and, you know, working on infrastructure changes, et cetera. And we have another role of a developer, which I'd say is you've got a gargantuan feature to implement, right? Like order editing, like Kelly mentioned, you're like, I'm going to implement order editing. We haven't tested for 10 years, man. I've got to really talk, like, I've got to really understand what this is about. Um, and that mode is a lot of developers here really get engaged with like our merchants and understanding like how does commerce work and why is order editing hard and like why do people use it so i think that that third hat of a developer is to put on your like learning hat of how commerce works and make sure that you bring that into how you develop features right that when you're writing code that you actually understand like how people are going to use it you can visualize like the, the the 15 or 20 reasons why people order edit or or have to edit orders and you can build like as you're building the feature and you're testing it and you're like you have the kind of that empathy. So I think that's probably the, you know, the third part of the, the, the third mode of developers are at kind of at Shopify. So and it, maybe there's no day, day in the life. It kind of depends on what hat you have. Right, right. I love that. And from what I've heard from other people who, who currently work for Shopify and development team, they absolutely love what they do. So we are going to post links to both the Shopify careers page in case you are looking for a new position with Shopify. We're also going to link to some resources for people who are interested in learning how to build a Shopify app or how to build a Shopify theme, basically anything to get started with developing for Shopify. JML, thank you so much for your time. This has been really awesome and I've learned a ton and I've been in this space for five years now, as I said, and I'm sure Emma has, has learned I also even more learned being new e-commerce. Yes. Sometimes. Well, it's great. Well, Emma and Kelly, thanks for having me. It was a huge pleasure. Thank you so much. 